Okay, you guys, so I have already introduced the course. I have already told you about these great people, but honestly, I feel that they can tell you more about themselves than I ever could. Um, so I'm going to let Glenn and Tina tell you about themselves, about the course, and, you know, just get a little introduction. Uh, my name is Tina Blaschke Thompson, and I, I guess I'm the lead instructor for the combat veterans class, um, although really it was um, very much a team effort. Um, I've been with the School of Social Work for over 10 years now. I'm a graduate of the MSW program and stayed on faculty after I graduated. Um, so my, my primary job is, is working in our distance education programs. Um, for the the master's level program and then teaching a variety of courses for the school um, yeah. okay <laughs> my name is Glenn Stutsky uh, my official title at the School of Social Work is senior clinical instructor and like Tina I teach a number of courses at the School of Social Work I also work with her in the statewide blended and weekend program and I was a part of the team that she was referring to for this course on social workers working with combat veterans. Tina is too modest. She is the mm -hmm. lead instructor, uh, the instructor of record, but we very much so had a team approach to this. And in some regards too, there wasn't a instructor in the sense of lectures every week. And that's some of what we'll probably share with you about this course. Awesome. So pretty much what I want to talk about is what were your, like, what was the initial concept of this course? So this actually goes back many, many years. Um, I remember sitting in the Kellogg Center waiting for students to arrive for one of the programs that we work in. And um, Glenn and I were just talking. I don't know if it was current events or, or what it really was about. Um, but the, the conversation was, why doesn't the School of Social Work offer a military course? Why aren't we doing more as, as a department to train social workers on how to work with service members, veterans, and their families? Um, so this, this goes back quite a ways. I would, um, one thing I would add to that, Tina, is, is right. We talked way back then, and one of the classes I teach is an uh, undergraduate introduction to social work. And with the wars that we had been engaged in, uh, even back quite some time ago, I started asking students, how many of you know someone who has been sent to one of these countries and had, has fought? And at first there'd only be like a sprinkling of people, but every year it was growing more and more. And then I started having veterans who had served and been honorably discharged showing up in the class and saying that, you know, they wanted to come into the profession of social work specifically that they could help, you know, their fellow uh, veterans. And so that kind of further motivated us. And Tina brought this up to the director and assistant director, mm -hmm. associate director of the School of Social Work. Yeah, and, and to add, add to that, we'll keep adding off of each other's comments. Um, Glenn and I have been working together for, for my entire time here, so for over 10 years now. And part of working together for so long is that um, inevitably we get to know more about each other mm -hmm. in our personal lives. 
Um, so Glenn, in many ways, has become um, a very dear, dear friend. Um, so the, the personal component that Glenn's very aware of is that my husband's a combat veteran. Um, and, and Kevin, my husband, he really does serve as our inspiration for this class. Um, he served in Iraq uh, from 2005 into 2006, um, so pretty early in the conflict in Iraq. Um, he did eight years total. Uh, multiple deployments, but just the one deployment um, to a combat zone. And we started dating shortly after he got back from his his combat deployment. Um, So we've been together for 11 years, and over the course of that 11 years, witnessing the the many, many challenges and barriers he's encountered um, as a result of his time in the military, and more specifically, um, a result of his, his combat experience. Um, so, for example, um, he did eight years in the Marine Corps. When he when he left the military, he was um, ranked a sergeant. Um, but when he left, he had a really really difficult time finding employment. Um, he was trained um, in motor T motor transport, so mm-hmm. driving you know the multi million dollar vehicles mm-hmm. um, in the military. And when he was in Iraq, he was in charge of. Um, bringing supplies to the different forward operating bases and and that sort of thing. Um, So the constant fear of IEDs and and being blown up and and all of that. Um, And then he was also trained in infantry. So he, um, if he were to be deployed again, he would more than likely be on the front lines Mm -hmm. um, and in imminent danger day in, day out. Um, So he had all of this really specialized training really high level responsibility and the only job he could find immediately after leaving the military was at a retail store folding t-shirts for minimum wage um so so seeing that i mean it was heartbreaking um to go from a position in an organization where he had a position of of status Mm -hmm. um and a position of respect um, to one where, he, I mean, he couldn't even pay his bills. Um, so that was really hard. And that was just the beginning of the many, many challenges he's experienced. Um, so employment issues, um, issues around um, physical pain, chronic pain from injuries that he sustained um, from being in the military and, and in Iraq. Um, psychological issues with PTSD, depression, nightmares, substance use. Um, and it took it took a long time for him to finally understand that what he's experiencing isn't normal, and that there are people out there who can help. We just need to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, um, there was was someone who came into our lives um, whose son was a combat veteran, and she was um, a trained MSW. Um, had a private clinical practice um, close to retirement, and she provided pro bono therapy for my husband. Um, so that was her wanting to give back because of the experience that her son had gone through. Um, so that that really helped him. Um, but but recognizing that it took someone who understood mm-hmm. um, what it was like to to go to war. Um, and the effects that that has 
um, to be able to kind of make that breakthrough with him, um, for him to finally say, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. Um, and it took a while for us to find that person, but we did, and he's come a long way, but still, still, tr- still struggles in a lot of ways every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, as Tina said quite a long time ago, we started talking about the need for the school of social work, you know, to address this issue uh, in the classroom and in the training of, of social workers. But it was really her coming into a relationship with someone who had served and then actually, you know, marrying them and seeing these things firsthand. So this was no longer a statistic. Mm -hmm. It was a person. It was, you know, Kevin. And then, too, the fact that they did find someone, a social worker, who had learned how to be empathetic and, you know, to have this kind of a breakthrough in a relationship that then... Kevin could actually benefit. And that really provided a lot of the catalyst and one of the main goals of our, you know, of doing all of this is that we want other social workers to get to that same place that when a veteran walks through the door of the agency and sits down with them, you know, in those initial moments of connecting in that, 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 they're, that they're prepared they're prepared to listen, mm-hmm. they're prepared to see, they're prepared to be with them, you know, where, with where they have been. And because we've, we've known and we've heard and we've read about too many situations where, you know, the veteran will sit down and want to get help, which is already a huge step for them to finally get to that place. And then to sit down with basically a, someone they don't know, a stranger, begin to share and then I just remember this one example that I read in an article of this, uh, of this soldier sharing, and it actually was with meeting with a social worker. And he said, I, I saw the panic in their eyes. And that was it. It was over, you know, right then. And Tina, you've got something good to share about the kind of code that mm-hmm. these, these people carry even after they're discharged in terms yeah. of caring and protecting yeah so one thing that a lot of a lot of people don't realize in terms of the barriers to treatment is that um, our service members and then once they leave the military and are are deemed veterans Mm -hmm. they've been trained um, for many of them since they were 18 19 years old to protect and serve protect and serve that is your duty that is your mission so when they're at the other end of, of combat and they're experiencing hardships, challenges, mental health issues, if they feel that in some way they're harming the person that they go to for help, they're going to shut down. They're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. So part of our work in this class, for lack of a better word, um, Glenn and I really didn't like this word, but we don't really know how else to capture it. But part of what we're trying to do is desensitize the social work students. You have to, because then you have to think about it. The veterans have been mm-hmm. desensitized this whole time. Yeah. Why they've been Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they can't look at people as just civilians anymore because everyone could be a threat. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So the thing is, I think you have to have some a certain disconnect 
when you have the situation like you are there to help you can't you have to be empathetic Mm -hmm. but you can't actually emote what you're feeling at that moment you have to wait you have Mm -hmm. to let them if they want to emote let them emote but you have to just be that person to help guide them yeah to get to that point to make them feel healthier yeah because i mean for for us our thinking is um we, we we shared some really difficult content with the students in the class and we were we were sure to post warnings this is not required viewing but we encourage you to take that leap um, for example one of our veterans shared images pictures that he took when he was in iraq um, some of them were pretty benign, nothing too serious, but a few of them were actual photos of suicide bombers. Mm-hmm. Um, so body parts kind of all over the place, blood. Um, there was one of a burned dog. Um, just real difficult, difficult images. And I, I, I asked this, this veteran um, his thoughts around sharing these with the students. And I shared with him my hesitation that I don't want I don't want to traumatize the students, um, and that this is really difficult stuff to look at. And and quite frankly, he got pissed at me. Um, he said, "Then then what's the point? What's mm-hmm. the point of this class if you're not going to be true to our experience?" Exactly. Those images are the images that that keep them up at night. Um, that that come up through flashbacks and nightmares and. Um, to be able to expose our students to that imagery in an environment that, that is safe and allows them to process what they're seeing and what they're feeling is really important um, because then once they graduate and they're sitting across the table from a veteran who's sharing their war stories, they aren't expressing um, nonverbal behavior that, mm-hmm. that shows shock or disgust or... or um, some kind of judgment, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that was our purpose in terms of, of really pushing the boundaries of, of the content that we had students explore. And we also, one of the things we've been learning is um, that war is a very visceral experience. It's a very sense-oriented experience. Each of these veterans could tell us about what the environment physically felt like what it smelled like, especially. There's some really strong, distinct smells of war. Uh, what they would see, what they would hear. Like for uh, one veteran um, that we had heard from from uh, Vietnam, the sound of that war was the blades of the Huey helicopter coming in. And, uh, and so we wanted to add immersive experiences using sight and sound and all the senses, you know, that we could. And sometimes the veterans even had certain suggestions, you know, for us to try to put them, without actually sending them to battle, put them, you know, within the, you know, within the feel of it. And we're still exploring how to do this further as we look towards the next um, iteration, the next version of this class. Mm-hmm. I feel like that makes sense because I feel that... Sometimes people don't understand why someone would want to re-enlist. If you've been through all these things, why would you re-enlist? Or if they don't re-enlist, they'll do like a contracting job still overseas because it's like a comfort like a comfort thing. I know like one veteran that I happen to know personally who like went back 
and he decided that he wanted to do like do oil and you know he would pump the gas for the helicopters and they would still live in tents they would still live in pretty much the same conditions but it was a comfort thing Mm -hmm. that's what he's used to and the thing is when you come back people are talking about music and talking about food and talking about their relationships and the thing is for this certain amount of time sometimes it could be four years the amount of time think about it that you've been in school it could be eight years where you're like about to you know either graduate from a master's program or you're married or you're having kids and they've been gone all this time and they're basically starting back from when socially with us 18 that's where they're going they're 18 back when you think about like how they deal with us and we're like 25 26 27 and we're talking about families and we're talking about what we're doing with our careers and they might have to start over with their career Mm -hmm. because they can't go back into what they were doing they can't use the skills that they learned and they have valuable skills but they don't know where to be placed so I feel like how you say you had to find someone to help you guys to understand what you guys went through the fact that they didn't even provide you a list of people who had this training so you have that and you have a better transition Mm -hmm. for him and for you as a family i feel like that's something that should be provided but because we don't make this something that is how can i say this required it's so hard to find these people, yeah. and they're specialists. It's not something that they just should have. Yeah, well, when service members leave the military, um, it's it's changed quite a bit mm-hmm. since Kevin left, um, so there have been some improvements. So they do have, like, classes that they go to, and even even Kevin went to one about um, from from camis to, to suit, so going from, like, you know, yeah. fatigues to, to entering the business world. But... The, the, the disconnect is that when they leave the military, at least at least the veterans I've talked to, when they leave, their mind is not necessarily thinking about what what if mental health issues come up? What if I have a hard time finding a job? Um, the focus is really on, I just want to get the heck out of here, right? I've made this decision, I'm moving on, new chapter of my life. Um, so those those required courses where they might discuss some of those resources that are available, it doesn't really sink in because that's not their mindset. Um, it's not what they're looking for right at that immediate time. They just want to turn in their stuff, turn in their gear, and be done. Um, and one of the things, too, kind of to what you were talking about just a few, um, just a little bit ago, this is only the first of what we're looking at as a three courses, uh, a certificate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, program, uh, because we think that there's a lot of other aspects, you know, to cover at a at a macro level and advocacy level. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in that realm by social workers, and then also, of course, a more advanced, you know, clinical class. So we're looking at putting three courses together to really give social workers who want to serve this particular population more than what they would just, you know, normally get in the course of just their regular, you know, uh, social work master's program. Mm-hmm. How did you guys know that you wanted to be, it to be a online class and not a, you know, your classic lecture? How did you know to format it the way you guys did? I, I knew I wanted it to be fully online um, from the very beginning. 
um, in part because the work that Glenn and I do is with students that are in a primarily online program. So we have students in our MSW program who live all over the state of Michigan, um, some even so far west in the UP that they're in a different time zone. So knowing that we wanted this course to be accessible to any of our students, regardless of where they lived, um, to not put parameters around it where only a certain segment of our student population could sign up for it. So being fully online, that was a requirement. It wasn't even a question mm -hmm. about whether we put it online or not. Um, but honestly, I don't think this class would have had the impact it did if it was a traditional face-to-face -face class. Yeah, um, I, I would really agree with that. While there's strength and weaknesses for both you know, face-to-face -face and online, Tina's right because we were able to use the online environment in ways we wouldn't have been able to do in a face-to-face -face, you know, cla uh, classroom. And we saw, for instance, we saw that even using the learning management system, you know, here we're using D2L, not just putting up text there and mm -hmm. articles and stuff, but we used, uh, you know, the, the interface itself to become part of the dynamic living or learning environment that we were trying to create. Uh, that was something that, you know, Emily especially was involved in and, and also Kisa. Mm -hmm. So we wanted them to, you know, uh, we wanted to design the class around even times that would be chaotic, unpredictable, uh, not to be difficult, but mm -hmm. to mimic some of the things that happen. War doesn't happen between 1020 and 1140 Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. <laughs> you know, it is 24 hours a day. Yeah. A lot of times there's just downtime, nothing's happening. Other times it's like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And that's, so that was part of trying to communicate to them or allow them to experience a little bit of the feel. And, uh, you know, there was one time we even actually just completely shut the course down. I don't think anyone has ever done that at the university, not deliberately, but that was part of communicating something to them. Yeah. <laughs> so the section of the class, um, so the class followed the military cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so we started off pretty simple introductions. Who are you? Why did you take this class? Um, jumped into military history and we kind of started to push them into um, putting themselves in the shoes of, of a new recruit. So we had them research the different branches, talk to people they know, and if they were to choose a branch to enlist in, which one would it be? Mm -hmm. So from there, we sent them to boot camp, and that's when the course management system really started to change in terms of the feel and, and the media that we started to use. Um, so boot camp to you got orders that you're being shipped off to war, prepare your last letter home, mm -hmm. um, what do you want to say to your loved ones in case you don't come back, um, to then this experience of war. Um, following war, we had a, a week kind of coming home honeymoon phase um, to allow them to kind of separate a little bit from the class and the intensity of, of the war. Um, so their assignment that week was self-care, connect with someone you haven't spoken with in a while. Um, so they were given free points mm -hmm. for their assignments that they had gotten so used to. But then we jumped into, so that was the good, but then we jumped into the bad and the ugly. Um, so the bad being um, PTSD, depression, 
um, issues with TBI, and then the ugly being the ways that that folks cope with those bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, So substance abuse, suicide, domestic violence. Um, And we ended the ugly, so the good, the bad, the ugly, we ended the ugly with, um, with the suicide component. And along the way, we had been using um, an app that allowed us to send out text alerts to students. Mm-hmm. And we introduced that during the war section um, to pull them back into the course. So just like service members can't escape war, students mm-hmm. couldn't escape the class. So they were getting um, updates in terms of, of um, current events um, in, in the current wars. Um, images from our veterans. Um, sounds. Sounds. Sometimes we would just send out sounds of yeah. war. Mm-hmm. And then during that, the honeymoon, the text alerts disappeared. During the bad and the ugly, the intensity of those text alerts increased. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were trying to mimic the symptoms of PTSD through the use of these text alerts. Um, so even though they were back home from war, war was still with them. So we were continuing to send the images, continuing to send the sounds. And um, the Sunday night before the class went dark, um, the last text they received was the sound of a gun being um, cocked. Mm-hmm. That was it. And it just stopped right there. It just stopped. And then all day Monday... Um, the D2L site was just a, a black page. They couldn't access anything. And um, it was quiet for a little bit, but by Monday afternoon, we're starting to get some emails from IT services, the D2L you, help desk. Do you know your course is, <laughs> yeah. is off? Like, yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. Like, what, what's, what's going on? Why does your course look like well, this? I want to share a story of one of the students. Throughout this whole course, students have the opportunity to reflect on the process and what they're experiencing and you know we check in you know with that and uh, one of the students was sharing about this particular time in the course uh, you know the 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 bad and the the ugly and she said she said I'm someone who is never separated from my phone you know I sleep with my phone I don't know if she said I shower but it's like I'm never separated she said it got so bad. She said I actually put my phone down on the floor and walked away. But then in her reflection she shared that but I also realized that the service members who come home, they can't put their phone down on the floor right. and walk away. So she got what we were trying to do. We weren't just trying to annoy people. Mm-hmm. So she got the you know that lesson. There was a purpose behind it. There was a purpose it. for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important because the thing is, like you guys said, like empathy is a big thing about it. And if they don't go through it, if they don't have some type of example, like how are you going to deal with that? Like how do you understand that when you have someone come to you who have went, who has went through these things? You will never have the experience they had. Even veterans never will have the same experience another veteran had because they have a different background. They have you know, something different that they might have went through. Like, it can be totally different. But the thing is, at least you can be empathetic and at least have a little bit more of an understanding. That's right. And that and that's the thing. So social work education, um, or social work in, just in general, um, as social workers, we deal with a lot of really traumatic situations. 
Um, we work with people who've experienced all kinds of horrific things. Mm-hmm. But the, the trauma of war is so far removed from um, the average person's awareness that we felt it necessary to really dive deep into what that trauma looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it smells like, what it tastes like, um, in order to give them a little glimpse of, of what that is. And it's just a glimpse, but I'll give you another example that we used. In the pre-deployment time after boot camp and before they actually go to you know where they're assigned to go, there's a brief period of time where they get to go back uh, to see their family, mm-hmm. uh, put things in order, you know, have an insurance policy. And for many of them, as Tina referred, you know, writing that last letter home, that was one of the things we asked the students to do. We want you to, you know, to write this as if you, in fact, were leaving. Who would you write to? And what would you say, knowing that these would be the last words they would hear from you? And again, from the reflections, I remember this one student saying, that this was the hardest thing she had ever done in her life, not just in school, but in her life. She said she cried all day as she wrote it. And then when her husband came home, she said, I have to share this with you. And he started crying. So again, that's only a taste because she in fact wasn't leaving, Mm -hmm. but she was able to see what, you know, we were doing and and, uh, come along with this because we're making people really a part of a story, a part of a number of stories. We're using storytelling and a narrative approach where we do embed information, you know, academic, we embed information, but it's around stories. And in many ways, it really was the veterans who were a part of the course, you know, through telling their stories, who were really the instructors. We helped design and create a way for that to happen. And I really believe we're really learning, you learn much deeper, I think, from stories because we're kind of wired that way. We remember stories. It was Mm -hmm. a dark and stormy night. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And a story will stay with you long after the great content of any Mm -hmm. course. And so um, I think to varying degrees, some more than others, students embraced becoming a part of the students you know becoming a part of the story and um and participated you know in these immersive activities yeah and it's fact of the matter is because it was a story it was like it's a lesson behind it but the thing is it wasn't just thrown at them as this is your lecture you have to learn these things you have to be at this desk you have to read this 25 page paper that you're going to read the first paragraph of and the last paragraph of and not even think about the content the fact that they were learning a lesson through actual stories that it was personalized that this was somebody's life yeah that you're learning about and sometimes we would not tell them what we were doing we allowed it just to be a, a living you experience it, what are you, mm-hmm. you know, learning from this? And even you want to uh, mention about what we started from the very beginning when we had the counter on and stuff? Like, yeah. Because so, we didn't tell students what that was about at the beginning. Yeah, and I to kind of preface that, um, this is more than just being a cool class, mm-hmm. an innovative class. Yeah, we're doing cool things, we're using cool technology, um, we're pushing the bounds in, in terms of, 
um, the content that we're covering and, and asking students to, to look at. But, but for us as a team, um, we've all very much um, have invested our, our time and our energy into this, this mission, into this bigger purpose. Um, so 20, 20 veterans a day take their lives um, by suicide. And for me, this is about making sure that my husband um, and all the veterans in my life do not become one of those 20. Um, so realizing that's one of the things that I realized in this course is just how incredibly fragile all of our veterans are. Um, that on the surface, they appear tough, they have everything together, that's how they've been trained to, to come across. Um, so one thing we did for the students, and no one really caught on to it, um, so the class started on August 31st at noon, was a Wednesday that from the, the minute the class started, every one hour, six minutes, a ticker that was on the homepage in D2L would go up by one. So by the time the semester ended, mid-December, that ticker was up to over 1,500. That last week, we finally laid it out there. Um, hey, did you guys wonder what this ticker was about? Um, this means that over 1,500 veterans have taken their lives over the course of this semester. And the real powerful piece was that you can kind of get lost in a statistic that big, right? 1,500, that's a lot. It's hard mm -hmm. to wrap your head around. But in our, our class of, of 30 students, we had three veteran suicides happen over the course of that semester, just tied to people who were connected to the class. So one of our veterans, his friend committed suicide. Um, the Vietnam veteran who did a written testimony. Um, one of his friends, um, their son, who was an Iraq vet, committed suicide. And then one of our students, um, her husband's a combat vet, and his friend, who was also a combat vet, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So we had three happen that were local, they were connected to one of our students or one of our veterans in some way, and that became a part of the course that I think had a lot, a lot of impact on the students, mm -hmm. more so than just this really big number. Yeah, um, I'm not sure, you know, how long this uh, podcast ends up being, but in the hour that you're listening to this it's likely that another veteran has taken their life. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, that's very, very impactful. And it was a lot of things that you guys haven't, We, even within this time, you would think like, oh, we've covered so many things about this course and there's so many things we didn't even talk about. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about the care packages. We didn't talk about the fact that, um, what was one of the main things that like I really thought the fact that you would have meetings with them like the video cast so that way you would have a certain amount of time where they would have to meet with you through like what like zoom or some type yep. of um face-to-face -face that wasn't face-to-face -face, but at least they got to visually see you yep. they got to talk to you about things and also like even like that last letter home did you make them have that on their person mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is it's like a wait yep. you have basically your last letter on you at all times, but that's exactly what yep. these veterans had to do. 
So the, I really just appreciate what you did or the fact that you weren't trying to be respectful about what time you would send them these cues because the veterans, they don't get that. They don't have, like, if they hear a loud bang outside their house, they didn't schedule that. Mm-hmm. It was not something that they planned. If it's in the middle of the night and somebody's alarm goes off, you don't know what's that sh- what that triggers or the fact that you also even made them have to pick, do you shoot the person that's coming towards you because that could be an enemy? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you could arrest your whole, like, cars, like, your, the, your people. Mm-hmm. You could arrest risk their lives. But say if you made a mistake and you killed somebody that was just a regular civilian, that's something that's also, like, mm-hmm. a weight on you. So you yeah. made right. sure that you wanted to cover as much as possible but I'm sure even within this course even within this podcast even within maybe the next course that you have for next semester there is always going to be things that you want to add and there's so many things that people need to understand Mm -hmm. and now I see why you guys say you need to have like a three course type certification for people to get this Mm -hmm. because you can't just fit it in one semester because these like these veterans have had to figure this out within their whole time being enlisted and after. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So in terms, I know earlier um, you mentioned kind of what else we want to add. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to this class because this class is already really full. We've already had to bump it from two credits to three credits mm-hmm. because um, we we even knew as the semester unfolded that it was it was really heavy in terms of the amount of content we wanted students to, to look through. Um, but we, we had a very narrow focus in a very it's very purposeful in nature um, so this class focusing on the experience of, of our combat veterans so this course will be the first of the three this will be the prereq um, so students need to take this class first in order to understand the experience of being a combat veteran you have to understand that experience be able to empathize with that experience before you can learn how to intervene So this is the first class, and then students in the certificate will take the advanced clinical skills course and then an advanced macro advocacy course. So they're focusing on on helping individually one-on-one, but also focusing on on bigger systems change. Um, There's a lot of legislation, a lot of policy that Mm -hmm. needs to be corrected to better serve our veterans. So while students are in those two advanced courses, they'll also be in a field placement where they're putting what they're learning in the classes into practice. Um, So they'll be placed working with service members or veterans in an agency throughout the state. Um, But in terms of of what else we want to cover is is the impact on families. What does this do to spouses? What does this do to children? Um, What does this do to parents? and even, even exploring a bit more about, um, about war and how it isn't necessarily a trauma for everyone. Um, so we were very clear when we presented the statistics on the bad and the ugly. Um, you know, 20, the, the, the stat is that 20% of Iraq, Afghanistan vets um, are diagnosed with PTSD. The flip side of that is that 80% are not. Um, so for some people, um, war can be traumatizing, but it isn't necessarily a trauma. Mm-hmm. It's not something that stays with them um, forever. Um, so even exploring some of those nuances and, and the nuances of being in the military but not deployed to war and, and how they can still have issues when they, when they leave the military, even mm-hmm. without that, that war experience. 
Um, so there's there's a ton. There's a ton of stuff that we still need to cover um, somehow, some way, in only six credits. <laughs> well, all I have to say is that I appreciate you guys like for your time. I appreciate you guys for even putting in the effort to create this course because I feel that every person especially nowadays they either are a veteran they know a veteran within their family they're in a relationship with a veteran they're in a they might be with someone who might enlist now like there's so many different situations that people are going to have to interact with the veteran even if it's the person that works at a job and you just happen to meet with them through um, customer service Mm -hmm. it's so many different ways that we have these interactions and even if you're not a social worker even if you're just someone who just wants to get more information to understand maybe why your spouse is the way they are, maybe why this situation happened or why did they choose to do this? Why did they react this way? Why did you blow up on me? They, I feel like if you understand more, you can you can be more empathetic about that and you can have a better interaction. You can like be able to forgive because the thing is you can't hold certain grudges towards these veterans that have been through so much or even their family members maybe why their wife might have snapped at you at a dinner because you said something because it was insensitive and you didn't know it right so there's so many different things that people might not think about that i think that you're bringing up in this course so again thank you and thank you for your time and is there any last words you would like to say um if you are a student listening to this podcast, <laughs> sign up for the class. Definitely um, sign up. But just really quick to piggyback, and this doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, but that that's a great point, and, and part of what we want to do is is open up this first course mm-hmm. beyond social work. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. We want CJ. We want soap. Nursing. Soch, we want psych. Yeah. We want nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, IT. We want mm-hmm. HR. I mean, whoever, whoever. Um, interacts with people in any capacity um, beyond just the helping professions mm-hmm. um, to take this class and humanities, understand. Like, yeah. Yeah, humanities. Um, and like you said, uh, they're everywhere. Veterans are everywhere. They're in the they're in the workplace. So you know you you know for HR that's of interest mm-hmm. in that, and uh, that's why we want to open that up and you know to more disciplines. And we're looking even eventually. In the future, to have this class uh, available as like a non-credit version of it, which would be at a greatly reduced cost, mm-hmm. so even you know members of the general public mm-hmm. could have access, thereby maybe some family members or employers or whatever who might be interested in doing that. We also just wanted to say thank you so much for having us a part of this podcast, and we're very glad to have had a chance to get to know you and do some work with you and we appreciate that thank you yes thank you thank you